0: grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our risen Lord Jesus. Amen. Today is Pentecost Sunday in the Church. Pentecost was a feast day in Israel. It was celebrated by the Jews as commanded by God at Mount Sinai. They were to celebrate the beginning of the harvest, and then fifty days later the full harvest on the day of Pentecost. The heads of families were commanded by God to make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the feast of Pentecost, and this is why in our reading from the Gospel of John we find that there are so many people in Jerusalem, both Jews and proselytes, devout men from every nation under heaven, Luke says, from all over the Mediterranean world. On that blessed day when the Holy Spirit was poured out like living water on the disciples. A sound like a great rushing wind attracted a, a very large crowd to the house where the disciples were. Not an actual wind, but the sound of a mighty wind. And it's interesting to note that the Hebrew word for spirit, ruach, and the Greek word, Numa both mean breath or wind and the men from all these nations hear the disciples telling about the mighty works of God in their own languages Parthians and Medes and Elamites people from Phrygia and Pamphylia etc the spirit of God the holy spirit will bring the word of God to the nations And Jew and Gentile will be united as the new Israel by faith. And so the promised Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the hearts of the Church. It's a very exciting reading, and and I would recommend that you sit down for ten minutes and read the first two chapters of Acts, which culminates in the number of the believers going from 120 to over 3,000 on that day of Pentecost, that day that God had set aside as a celebration of the harvest. And here we see a great harvest of souls for the Lord. Our Gospel reading for this Pentecost Sunday is from the Apostle John's Gospel. It's only three verses long, as you noticed, and I wonder if it's the shortest Gospel reading in our assigned pericopes. John writes on the last day of the feast. Now, if we look outside our reading, we'd find that this is not the feast of Pentecost, but another feast day, the feast of booths or the feast of tabernacles that Jesus and his disciples are celebrating in Jerusalem. There were three feasts, actually, that were what we might call pilgrimage feasts, celebrations that the Jews were to travel to Jerusalem and the temple to celebrate. These three feasts were Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Booths. In these feasts and ceremonies, God has the people rehearse their history, the mighty acts of salvation that He has accomplished in leading the nation out of bondage in Egypt, bringing them through the wilderness, and into the promised land, flowing with milk and honey. Passover, of course, was a remembrance of the plagues with which Yahweh judged the Egyptian gods until the final plague, the death of the firstborn of Egypt, the firstborn of Israel being saved by the blood of the Passover lamb. Pentecost was a celebration of the fat of the land, a giving thanks for the harvest being brought in. It was a time to remember that it is Yahweh who provides the harvest, that His generous hand provides for all our daily needs. The Feast of Booths, and I want to remind you that this is the one that our Gospel reading is about. Jesus and the disciples are at the Feast of Booths, and the Feast of Booths is similar to Pentecost in that it's a remembrance of Yahweh's provision, but specifically His provision as the nation travels through the wilderness on its way to the Promised Land. The Feast of Booths is a reminder of those travels, since part of the celebration was that the people would live outside their homes in temporary shelters for seven days, One of the daily ceremonies during the Feast of Booths was the rite of the water libation, or offering. On the first morning of the seven-day feast, the priests brought a large amount of water up from the Pool of Siloam to the temple in a golden container. The container of water was paraded around the altar with great fanfare. Each day a portion of the water was poured out using silver bowls in an act of prayer, expressing dependence on God for the blessing of rain on the earth. The feast harkens back to the time when the nation of Israel, after crossing the Red Sea, found no water in the desert. The people complained to Moses, and God told Moses to strike a certain rock, and out of that rock poured water that saved the people and their livestock. On the last, or the great day of the feast, the water libation rite reached its climax. The priests circled the altar seven times, and, and then they poured out the water with great pomp and ceremony. And this was called the great Hosiana, or Hosanna, which means, Save us now. And it is on this day John writes, On the last day of the feast, the great day, that Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We have to imagine That scene. The priest has just poured out the water libation as a prayer to Yahweh to provide water for the people. And Jesus tells the people in a loud voice to come to him for water. Jesus, the Messiah, offers living water to all who will believe in him. And what is this living water? It's cool, fresh spring water. Water is a precious commodity in the Holy Land. And there are basically three ways of getting it. One could build a cistern that can trap and store rainwater. And this is great as long as there's enough rain. But if there isn't a lot of rain, as is often the case, then the water will soon go stale. Or one could dig a well, which was a much more reliable source, But the most desired source of water was a spring. Spring water, as you can imagine, was the sweetest and best water of all. It filtered up through the rock and would keep flowing even when other streams dried up. This is the water that Jesus promised, the best water, water that satisfies spiritually water that gives eternal life. For a thousand years, faithful Jews had made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem to participate in these ceremonies with the hopeful expectation that Messiah might finally reveal Himself at just such an event. And here now is Jesus. He's been preaching for two and a half years and performing miracles that show Him to be the promised Savior. And he's been calling people to repent because God's kingdom is at hand. He's openly stated that he is the fulfillment of Scripture's prophecy, sent by the Father to redeem the world from sin. Yet most, especially the religious leaders, reject him. John says that even his own brothers rejected him at this time. But from his compassionate heart flows living water. He calls out to all who are spiritually thirsty to come to him. He boldly claims that he is the source of salvation. He is the true water of life. The Feast of Booths is six or seven months before the next feast, which is the Feast of Passover. And this would be the last feast, the Feast of Passover. The Feast of Booths is six or seven months before the next feast, which is the Feast of Passover. And the Feast of Passover would be the last feast that Jesus would attend. By the end of Passover... Jesus would be the sacrificial Lamb of God, who would take away the sin of the world. At that feast, Jesus would be crucified. He would be glorified as He bears the sin, death, and the spiritual thirst of all creation as our substitute under God's righteous wrath and condemnation, so that we might have spiritual life and our spiritual thirst quenched. The one who is the source of living water was so parched that his tongue stuck to his jaw. The fountain of life died on the cross, and a soldier pierced his side and blood and water flowed out. The blood of sacrifice and the water of baptism give life to all who would believe that he is the Savior of the world. Jesus' atonement for sin was and is for everyone. Jesus gives His Holy Spirit to all who drink from Him, who believe His gospel, who receive Him through the promise of His word and sacraments. You might say that each Sunday for us is a feast of Pentecost. We receive the Holy Spirit as we hear in our own language the good news of Jesus as the living water who satisfies our spiritual thirst. And that good news is preached throughout the world in many languages. And the Holy Spirit, like that first Pentecost, is performing His saving work, bringing people to recognize their spiritual thirst, drawing them to Jesus, where they receive His merciful forgiveness in the waters of baptism, in the words of absolution, and in the very body and blood that was given and shed for them on Calvary's cross. The Holy Spirit is the one who keeps us in this faith. The law of God and life itself remind us of our spiritual thirst. Our sinful natures will always want to turn us away from Jesus and deny our thirst or tempt us to look for spiritual fulfillment in other places. God would not have us deny our brokenness and spiritual thirst. We must not pretend that everything is okay as we secretly try to hide our guilt and shame and pain. We dare not try to fill the emptiness in our soul with unhealthy relationships or spend our time working for things that will eventually be destroyed or mask our pain through drugs or alcohol or something else. Instead, come... Hear the invitation of Jesus. Come to Him, the living water, and receive His mercy and His cleansing forgiveness. Drink deeply. Drink often. He will fill all who come to Him, not with a trickle or a little stream of water, but with an overflowing river of His Holy Spirit. And then refreshed and renewed from Jesus' living water, out of redeemed hearts will flow the Holy Spirit like a raging river of mercy so that we go with God's blessing to be a blessing to our family, to our neighbors, to our place of work, to wherever we go, to freely share the mercy that we ourselves have so freely received. Help your family. Help your neighbor. Help those with whom you work. Support efforts of mission and mercy. That's what the first Christians did. And when you're asked why you care so much about others, you can let them know about Jesus. You can invite them to drink from Him. And He will fill them too with rivers of living water. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.